Hello to everybody from around the world. Welcome to episode four of season two of the Retail Wavemakers, a Sea Trade Cruise Talks podcast. My name is Nadine Heubel. I'm the Senior Managing Director of Travel Retail North America at Newmark. But today I'm talking to you as the Retail Ambassador for Seatree. Retail has been going from strength to strength in the cruise industry, and I'm grateful for Seatrade to have acknowledged this development by creating a Retail Ambassador role, which I am very honored to have been appointed to. Part of my responsibility is to create further awareness for this exciting sector amongst cruise industry peers. And what better way to do it than creating our own podcast mini-series, the Retail Wavemakers Podcast. In this podcast series, I will welcome different stakeholders of the cruise retail industry, cruise lines, retailers, vendors, consultants, and media. And I will discuss with my guests the state of the cruise retail industry. We have a lineup of amazing guests, and we will hear from them firsthand about latest innovations, initiatives, challenges, and their personal outlook of the future of cruise retail. And we will also get a little personal with our rapid-fire questions at the end of the podcast. My guest I'm welcoming today is a little intimidating, to tell you the truth. He is one of the nicest Irish men I know, but he's also the best reporter in the Traverita industry. And this time, our roles are changing. I am asking him questions. Nerve-wracking, I can tell you. Dermot David joined the Moody David Report in April 2006 after a long and successful editorial and management career at Raven Fox, where at one point he worked as DFNI editor. In April 2016, his contribution and status within the company were underlined by the change in branding of its flagship title to the Moody David Report. He's also co-owner alongside founder and chairman Martin Moody. An astute commentator, editor and reporter, Dermot is also an experienced conference moderator. He manages the Moody Dive Report's portfolio of newsletter, e-signs and magazines, as well as co-running the balance of the company's activities with Martin Moody. Welcome to our show, Dermot. Delighted to be with you, Nadine. Great to have you. And I actually heard uh, you, uh, that you have been at my part of the world last week. Tell us a little bit before we go into all the serious questions. Yeah, not too far away. Yeah, I had a, an enjoyable trip to Jamaica, Montego Bay, of course, a big cruise stop off as well. And the event I was there for was actually an airport event, but beautiful part of the world and getting out of snowy and wintry Europe in uh, February, March is no bad thing as you yourself <laughs> know, Nadine, having done it pretty much permanently now to, yes. to uh, Florida. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> delighted to do that, an enjoyable event with some industry partners there. And as I say, obviously a, a memorable both airport and cruise experience is actually there in in, uh, in Jamaica. And uh, we might even touch on that a little bit later on. But uh, yeah, a nice, a nice trip indeed. And uh, <laughs> one of many as travel returns, which of course we're all delighted and encouraged by. Absolutely. And with me, it's a little bit the other way around. While you are seeking the sun in the winter, I start to seek the snow a little bit because I don't have snow here. So that's what I really miss. But now let's get into the business. So uh, Dermot, could you tell us a little bit more about the Moody David Report? I'm sure 99% of our listeners are familiar with your company and the majority interacts with your website daily. At least I do. And I know that many, many others do as well. But the Moody David Report is much more than just a website. 
So tell us a little bit more, please. Yeah, so the company is now 21 years young, young or old. It's founded by Martin Moody, as many of your uh, listeners will know, as the Moody Report in uh, 2002 and has been the Moody David Report since 2016. Uh, that's the, the year in which my name appeared above the door uh, soon after I became a fellow shareholder with Martin. But I joined in 2006 and that was after we both worked together on another industry title, Duty Free News, in the 1990s. And I suppose the key point around it really was back in that day, in the early 2000s, much of the media was still dominated by the print platform. And at the time Martin started the title, it was really the first digital disruptor in the in the media space, certainly in our media space and travel retail. So relying on a website and other digital platforms as opposed to print. And we've really been trying to keep that innovation and innovative thread going right through everything that we do ever since. So I think it's certainly fair to say that we've become the leading source of business intelligence with the, with the widest readership in what we call the broader travel retail sector. And that's, of course, across all travel channels from airport to airline to downtown border and, of course, ferry and, of course, cruise. And that includes, in our case, retail, but also F&B, advertising, foreign exchange, lounges, hospitality, and many other services as well. And relationships and trust, very important part of what we do as well across both our platforms and, of course, the other things that we do, which span events, research, and other elements of our business. And, and that whole area of relationships and trust that we've got with many of the major players across the industry is key. And I think we could probably say that we are the trusted independent voice in our sector through our titles, as I say, across those platforms, e-zines, magazines, newsletters, plus events, research, and much more besides and, and more innovations to come. Thank you for sharing this. And as you had mentioned, I mean, you really cover all the different channels in the industry and in all the different categories. But what I've noticed is that you really your title is now giving more focus than to the cruise industry than ever before. Could you tell us a little bit more why? Yeah, look, I would say we've we've always had a focus on cruise, but clearly in recent times we have and, and we plan to continue lifting our coverage to reflect the size, the importance of the cruise channel, cruise retail channel within the broader travel retail market. And, and I think that reflects a number of things, reflects the really strong growth we've seen in terms of number of ships, numbers of passengers, of course, over the years, if you take out the COVID period recently, the quality of retail on board those ships, the breadth of brands that are listed on board those ships, and indeed the way cruise lines themselves are thinking about retail's importance as well. So I think all of those things play into how we think about cruise. Clearly, cruise lines themselves you know, are, are thinking very much more about how they build their revenues, plan their spaces. Um, you see a much wider presence of cruise lines, duty and tax-free events across the calendar along with their concessionaire partners. And you also see simply after COVID too, the surge in travel bookings that we've seen since it became clear last year that the industry was on the way back. And of course, you have the earnings estimates that cruise lines themselves are setting out to the market as well, which is very positive. You know, we see cruise retail, really it's an estimated $2 billion business a year as a channel overall. And that, of course, partly explains why a lot of brands are trying to get into it or those that are in it are trying to embellish and enhance their own presence in there and trying to understand the market even a bit more. And it's many complexities of which, as you know, there are quite a few that also explains that level of investment that's been ramping up in it. So I guess our coverage overall has moved very much in parallel with those developments and 
we plan to do a lot more this year with some new initiatives with our partners. Great. And, and as you said, there's also a lot to report on because you have a lot of new ships being launched, new initiatives from retailers. So it's definitely an industry which has a story to tell. So it's a great things to talk about really there as well. And talking about great stories to tell. So this year, we actually have a little over an hour dedicated to retail on the innovation stage of Trade. And you will be the one who's leading the sessions. So can you talk a bit about what the audience can expect from those from the sessions? Yeah, sure. So obviously, we're very proud. This is the first time for us. Very proud partner with Sea Trade Cruise Global, of course, that annual gathering of cruise industry worldwide for a special session on the 29th of March in the afternoon, of course, at the Broward County Convention Center in Fort Lauderdale, where Sea Trade is taking place. And Alongside Sea Trade, through our media, have sent out a special code to be used to register for free to access the session, which takes place in the Cruising Innovations Theatre there at the event. And we'll uh, we'll repeat that message uh, via our platforms over the next few days and weeks before the event takes place. And I suppose the aim is to really reflect that growing importance of retailing to cruise line revenues and its role in the guest experience, in which, of course, retail is becoming much more integrated. We'll talk about how cruise lines and their retail partners see the role of retail as we come out of COVID. We'll take a look at who the new cruise consumer is, what motivates them to shop on board, and at how the assortment is being and should be adapted to their needs. And we'll we'll talk about some of the other big consumer drivers, digitalization, sustainability, those kinds of elements will be on the agenda too. We've got a great speaker lineup for our panel too. Carnival Corp's Luis Tarife as uh, VP on board revenue will be there, uh, representing the cruise line voice from the concessionaire side. Starboard President and CEO Lisa Bauer will be taking part, we're proud to say. And also Seth Weiser, who heads up what goes around, comes around in that really hot category of vintage fashion. So all of that is something to look forward to uh, indeed. Uh, in terms of takeaways, I think it's really just going to be valuable to hear that range of perspectives on what dynamics will shape cruise retail in the decade ahead, what the consumer drivers will be and how each party in that industry trinity, as we call it in this case, cruise line retailer and brand can play its part in ensuring we have a strong, sustainable and, and robust retail sector in the years ahead. Yeah, I'm very glad that we actually were able to get the trinity, the true trinity of the cruise industry together. And Dermot, thank you so much for sharing again the, the date as well and the time, which I forgot to mention, 29th on the innovation stage, 2.30 to 3.30. Um, and yes, as many of the listeners, we can welcome the better. Really looking forward to this session together. Another question I have for you. Every year you vote uh, the Person of the Year Award. And in 2022, for the first time, actually, you had a CEO from the cruise industry also being part of this prestigious group of people. Lisa Lutroff-Perlo, the CEO of Celebrity Cruises, was voted as one of the Person of the Year 2022. Why did she get the award from you? Okay, sure. So just briefly on, on those awards, our People of the Year, um, every year since we began, that's in 2002, as I mentioned, uh, you know, our team has recognized individuals who've advanced the wider industry's cause and reputation. And the selection features each time, each year, men and women who we nominate for 
leadership, thought, innovation, social and corporate principles too, and and being generally voices of progression and positivity for for the wider travel and travel retail sector. Now, Lisa, we felt stood out over the past year and of course more for how she's helped to redefine luxury cruising and also transform the cruise guest experience with celebrity along the way, developing high performing and culturally inclusive teams. And and we had some insights into how she works actually last year, last April during the maiden voyage of Celebrity Beyond that was in the UK at the time. That was the newest ship, of course, in the Edge series and showed just how she's promoting positive change, including gender balance, crucially at her own company and beyond. And I, I think it's quite a good message as it happens that we're speaking in the week in which we just had uh, International Women's Day a couple of days ago. So interesting and I think timely that we we can talk about it um, here. But that, there were the key reasons, of course, and um, very much at uh, those those issues top of our mind and, of course, key for Lisa and the Celebrity Cruises team, as it is for many others in the industry too. Absolutely. Great that you also mentioned Celebrity Beyond. I had the pleasure to be on the ship last week as well, and it's really an amazing ship where you can see a lot of Lisa's touches coming to life. So yeah, we, we both share this experience being on, being on Beyond. Did you cruise on the Beyond or was it just a day visit? For me, it was just no, a day visit. Afraid I not. No, in port, in port only. Our team was there at <laughs> okay. the, uh, the port town in, in Southampton, I believe, when we were there. So so look, uh, yeah, very much looking forward to a cruise on there and obviously visiting some of the other cruise lines in the near future as well. <laughs> Absolutely. So you also cover a lot of stories within the airport channel, obviously, yes, be, this being the biggest channel in the travel retail industry. What can the cruise retail industry learn from the airport retail world? And if you would send cruise executives to one airport in the world to learn from, where would you send them and why? Yeah, that's a tough one. Really, the bar for retailing overall has been raised across the airport world over the last decade and, and more, um, just as it has in cruise, in fact. And even through COVID, we saw a lot of really tremendous advances in quality, treatment, execution of brands too, without which, of course, there's no travel retail industry, um, alongside service, you know, with some really wonderful new developments. And I suppose if I'm thinking of what I've seen most recently, I guess that's the most apt in terms of examples, there's the new so-called boutique terminal, that's Terminal 1 at Paris Charles de Gaulle, and how that does beauty, which is obviously a vital category for cruise too, and does beauty on a scale that you really will struggle to find anywhere else. That's in terms of size and range of brands. Um, you've got this beautiful and wonderful high vaulted arena in the middle of the terminal where all of the brands have really brought their best executions, digitalization there too, at a level that builds awareness, but isn't, you know, distracting in a way it can be in some environments and really great attentive service from the airport company and its and its partners and, and all of that beauty flanked by the biggest names in luxury fashion, watches, jewelry, all in one wonderfully designed and easy to navigate environment. Um, another recent project that I visited and that our team has been visiting uh, regularly uh, since the project began and has been completed towards the end of last year is the new terminal expansion at Hamad International um, in Qatar. And you've got 90 plus brands in one vast shopping area in the new development alone, huge 10,000 square meter indoor tropical garden, food choices, other services, all really nicely and neatly integrated, really at a scale and ambition that you'll rarely see in the in the airport world. 
Um, you know, space, of course, is the big differentiator. When I say 10,000 square meters, obviously, um, for, for the garden, obviously, that's a sizable amount of space being the differentiator at airports versus crews. <laughs> but, you know, at small scale, there's a lot that can be done, too, based around a few factors that these and other airports do very well. There's, of course, knowing your consumer, who is that? And whether it's, you know, Qatar duty-free at Hamad International, Dubai duty-free in Dubai, China duty-free group in China, or others, the, the level of data and insight that propels the shopping design and offer is really vast and highly detailed. It happens in Cruise too, I know, through Starboard, Harding Plus, and, and others too. And there's that opportunity for more immersion, great physical and digital experiences combined that so many brands do in the airport that can be taken even, even greater ways into the cruise space. Um, and I think helping the brands understand that cruise opportunity even better is high in the industry on the cruise and, and concessionaire side of the industry, I know high on their agendas. And of course, we encourage that two-way conversation so that cruise isn't seen in any way as a secondary market, but one day by the brands as one to be uh, prioritized. I'm glad that you touch on this because I also believe that really education is key and making sure that the brands understand what the opportunity is. And yes, space might be more limited and maybe cruises don't have a chance to operate 10,000 square meter of retail space, but still it's a prominent space, very innovative thinking from a cruise line perspective and a very highly captive audience. People stay there for a, not a, just a few hours, they stay there for a few days or maybe even a few weeks sometimes. So yes, I do think that one of our tasks is really making sure that we educate the brands on what's possible in the cruise industry. And like you said, I also had the chance to go to Doha a few weeks ago. It was super, super impressive. Haven't had the chance yet to see Paris. I go to Paris quite regularly, but I always fly from the wrong terminal. So I have to make sure that I fly from Terminal 1 next time. Yeah, and if any of the cruise executives out there want to join me on a trip to Paris, just ping me. We can go together. But now let's go back to Sea Trade, Dermot. So we talked about the collaboration between yourselves and C-Trade. Where do you see that this is going and what is the future vision of your partnership? First of all, as I said, very much looking forward to visiting C-Trade this year. It's actually a first for me. And so I'm looking forward not only to our own session, but to joining the other sessions, which, of course, will be covering the, the big picture for crews and, and, and some more detailed looks at some of the um, issues, innovations, uh, challenges facing the industry out there too. So I think we're agreed that retail can play a more enhanced role at, at this event in particular, maybe even occupy its own dedicated space in the future as well. I know, for example, this year, there's a new strand uh, F&B at sea, which uh, occupies its own space at Sea Trade. That perhaps might be a template, but we need to talk a little bit more, or have discussions about what that showcase for retail could look like, and of course, build a, a program around it. I, I think, though, it's fairly clear that if the cruise line community is all there in one place, which of course they are, then that represents a very nice opportunity to talk about what's a really crucial element of the business to that global community. And to talk about that in one location seems to make sense um, to us. So the conversation will continue and hopefully we'll be able to talk a bit more about that soon. Fantastic. Dermot, this was amazing. Thank you so much for getting all the, your insight. I want to ask you, are you now ready for some rapid fire questions? <laughs> ready as I'm going to be, Nadine, depending <laughs> on what they are. <laughs> Perfect. So let's get started. What is your favorite cruise destination? 
Mm. I, well, I think, as you mentioned at the outset, I've only just come back from one. So uh, I, I'm going to have to give the kudos to uh, Montego Bay in, in Jamaica, although I, I was there for, for a, a multi-layered and multi-dimensional event. Obviously, I, I did take in both airport and, and cruise uh, port as well there. And it was certainly a very interesting experience overall. But I think given that I was there and in situ and I, I warm my feet in the in the beautiful Caribbean waters. I'm going to have to go with, uh, with Montego Bay just out of yes. uh, very recent recollection if, if for no other reason. But also it was a, a fantastic experience too and uh, not just great weather, but great food, great people, great welcome and loved uh, the few days that I spent there. Amazing. What is your favorite location to unwind on a cruise ship? Well, as an Irishman, you wouldn't expect me to say nothing different, of course, Nadine, but uh, <laughs> It has to be the, uh, the, out, the outdoor bar or the pool bar, depending on the mood I'm in. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's where I like to go. Has to be, yes. <laughs> Buffet or a la carte breakfast? A la carte. I'm a fussy guy, so we can do a la carte, yeah. <laughs> No, no, no buffet where many, many people are at the same time. I, under I completely understand. Another one, bingo or trivia? Um, I've always been a big fan of quizzes, so I'll go with trivia on that one. And do you have a particular theme on trivia you like? Oh, anything to do with sport. Um, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> Geography is not too bad and, and, and history, but uh, yeah, yeah, tend, tend to get most of the sports questions unless they're very arcane, but uh, yeah, all good. <laughs> and last one, which retail operation on which ship would you like to give kudos to? Mm. A lot of people doing a lot of good work. I mean, if we look on the concessionaire side, there's Harding Plus and Starboard doing great work respectively on board so many cruise lines from you know, P&O, Carnival, Princess to Celebrity and, and even smaller players as well, you know, Azamara and others. And so I think you'd have to say those very much stand out. Although it's not strictly on, on a separate note, but related note, it's not strictly considered pure cruise in the sense of the long days or weeks of a leisure journey. I, I think Important also to highlight in terms of maritime quality of what cruise ferry companies such as Talink and Viking Line do in the Baltic Sea with the quality of food, entertainment and facilities that really match much of what you see in the classic cruise world um, with an emphasis on retail in particular that I think is unmatched uh, pretty much anywhere else in the maritime world. So um, I recently visited uh, Talink My Star that was in January in the snow and last year Viking Line Glory, both new ships in the Baltic. And they're really well worth a visit to see what's possible in the, the wider cruise ferry channel. So uh, I think I've mentioned those as well. Great. Now, thank you for bringing also the ferry business up as well, because as I said, we should not, not neglect them. Great developments happening there as well. Dermot, as I said, thank you so much for being on the show and giving us all this insight. It's only, I think, like three weeks. So C20 is only three weeks away. So I will see you very, very shortly in Miami. I promise that the sun is going to shine when you arrive and the weather is going to be nice. And I'm really looking forward to uh, putting retail on the map of C-Trade together with you. So thank you for all your support. Very good, Nadine. Delighted to join you today. Look forward to seeing you and all the listeners in a few weeks' time at Sea Trade itself. Perfect. Thank you, Dermot. Thanks, Nadine.